Welcome to the channel of Anna Purdue. Look for the link below the podcast to make sure to follow for future podcasts. And the link below this podcast is it will direct you to your favorite listening studio, including Apple, Spotify, and Google's. Once you open the link, just scroll over either to the Apple, Spotify, or Google button and you select your favorite platform. Once you get there, look for the channel Anna Purdue. And I want to give a huge shout out to Kristen S., Rodney T., and Angela E., and Leonard L. for your donations to this channel. Please note PayPal has permanently suspended my account because of my content. So at this time, I am completely depending on donations or commissions on the Patreon. Patriot products found on my web- website at annapurdue.com. And if you enjoy my material and you wish to donate, you can do so by either clicking on the Stripe account link that's listed below in the description box, or you can also click the donate button uh, in the annapurdue.com website. And if you use Zelle with your banking, the email for uh, donating to me is purdueanna at yahoo.com. So let's get started. What if we were all brainwashed and held hostage by vampiric forces? Would we realize? What if this was our last summer, our last chance to stage a getaway? Would any of us take it? What if something like a real-life zombie apocalypse was on our doorstep? Would anybody know? What if these are our last dog days. Does anybody here remember the Order of the Solar Temple? That was back in 1994. Well, it was a Neo-Templar secret society founded by Joseph D. Amambro and Luke Jorett. They had embarked on this really weird cultic auto-destruct sequence And there were 69 members in their cult, including children, and they either killed themselves or they were murdered in their chalet compounds in uh, Switzerland and Quebec. The, The trigger, this is the sick part, for this group's termination, it appears to have been a ritual slaying of a three year old infant with a wooden stake on the order of DiMambro. The Order of the Solar Temple was not just screwy and dangerous. It was also implausibly yet undeniably connected. Alex Constantine tells us this in his writing, Psychic Dictatorship in the USA. French-Canadian journalist Pierre Tourangeau investigated the sect for two years. A few days after the mass murder, he reported that the sect was financed by the proceeds of gun running between Europe and South America. Simultaneously, Radio Canada announced that Jorts Templars earned hundreds of billions of dollars laundering the profits through the infamous Bank of Credit and Commerce International. Well, of course, they were closed by the authorities worldwide in 1991. Montreal's La Presse observed each new piece of information only thickens the mystery. Oh, yeah, I'd say. So the seemingly outlandish order, which played out deadly Templar fantasies, were themselves yet another facet of the even more bizarre military occult complex. Like the fascist Masonic P2 Lodge, the Solar Temple violated the conventions most people presume for the world, and yet 
there it is, one more crypto criminal node in the international arms trade, laundering hundreds of millions through the Bank of Credit and Commerce International. And because of the secret order's deep and weird politics, we should pay attention to its mythology. Perhaps particularly to the teaching that members would be reincarnated after the martyrdom on a planet orbiting Sirius, the dog star. Though Sirius must mean little now to most urbanites bedeviled by light pollution for most human history, our nights were lit mostly by the stars, and the brightest star in the sky, the nearest star visible with the naked eye, certainly has loomed large in the Western Hermetic tradition. Consider Freemasonry, from which the Order of the Solar Temple borrowed, and the high regard for which it holds Sirius, and with whom, set Lucifer, the star is identified. In Morals and Dogma, Albert Pike writes that Sirius was the inventor of language, grammar, astronomy, surveying, arithmetic, music, and medical science, the first maker of laws, and who taught the worship of the gods and the building of temples. He adds that the blazing star pentagram of Masonic lodges represents Sirius, the guardian guide of our souls. Alice Bailey, successor to Helena Blotsky and the founder of the Lucifer, later Lucis Trust, went Pike one better, and she claimed that Sirius was actually the source of a higher form of masonry. In summary, she tells how to graduate within initiations to elevate spiritually, witchcraft, of course, in the cosmic realm. And from Bailey's The Rays and the Initiations, these ancient mysteries were originally given to humanity by the hierarchy and were in their turn received by the hierarchy from the Great White Lodge on Sirius. They contain the clue to what they claim in their witchcraft process as the evolutionary process, hidden in numbers and words. They veil their secret of man's origin and destiny. Bailey's remark that initiations into earthly orders are preparatory for admission into Sirius's Great White Lodge seems very the resemblance of UFO abductions to occult initiations. Robert Temple, author of The Sirius Mystery, summarizes Bailey's views this way. The Syrians, not to be confused with the Assyrians, but in fact that might just be a play on words, they have tried hard to, in their wickedness, civilize us to their extremes without much success. Freemasonry is meant to be one of their civilizing forces. The Temple of the Order of Solars, Joseph D. Mambro and Lucent Torrent, uh, Joret, Central Mystery concerned the apparent oral tradition of the Dogon people of Mali that Sirius had a companion star, which it does, though it wasn't discovered by science until the mid-19th century. Temple infers from the Dogon's teachings that they were visited in, a t in antiquity by the Syrians, the Syria star Syrians. Kenneth Grant, student of Aleister Crowley and founder of the Typhonian OTO and its cult of Lamb, 
writes in The Magical Revival that Crowley unequivocally identifies his holy guardian angel with Sothis, or Sirius, or Set Isis. Set, of course, will be familiar to those who followed the career of Colonel Michael Aquino, who created the Temple of Set when he found Anton LaVey and his Church of Satan not serious enough in their devotion to the left-hand path. Adam Gowrightly, in Ritual Magic Mind Control and the UFO Phenomenon, writes how in the 1950s and 60s, alleged contactee George Hunt Williamson is said to have summoned forth certain denizens purportedly from Sirius, conversing to them in the same Enochian or angelic language used by John Dee and Aleister Crowley. Williamson also claimed that a secret society on Earth had been in contact with Sirius for thousands of years and that the emblem of this secret society is the Eye of Horus, otherwise known as the All-Seeing Eye. In Sorcery, Sex, Assassination, and the Science of Symbolism, the late James Shelby Downard argues that a Sirius cult exists today at the highest levels of U.S. military intelligence. Downard goes so far as to say that the viewing chamber of the Polomar Observatory is used for its rituals, which evoke those of ancient Egypt and are performed in the stars-focused light. And according to David Obison's book, The Secret Architecture of Our Nation's Capital, Freemasons oriented and consecrated Washington to the astrological representation of Lucifer, Sirius. Now, is what take, take is taking place in the Middle East right now starting to make sense? The leaders in the U.S. military today are turning our armed forces into a satanic cult ritual to bring about some sort of sick initiation rite of passage. Understand, this isn't new at all. Somewhere in the beginning of what the United States is known as today, these sick practices were taking place. Consider the District of Columbia Freemasonry Masonic Buildings, Anacostia Masonic Hall, Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue, Friendship Hall, and many more buildings and street designs. Washington, D.C. was designed and constructed by Masonic architects who embedded their beliefs and symbolism in the city's layout and buildings. An exclusive Masonic pattern of three has been discovered in the Capitol Building, Washington Monument, Jefferson Memorial, Library of Congress, and dozens of other federal buildings and important landmarks. Masonic symbols in Washington, D.C., when Washington, D.C. was chosen to be the United States Capitol in 1791, Architects placed Masonic symbols in these buildings that are still standing today. The White House is connected with the Washington Circle, DuPont Circle, Logan Circle, and Mount Vernon Square. History in 1811, the representatives of five Masonic lodges operating in the District of Columbia met in a convention to form their own governing body, the Grand Lodge of the District of Columbia. The new Grand Lodge was comprised of four lodges first charted in Maryland and one in Virginia. The five lodges reorganized under the new charters issued. The District of Columbia was the unique design of Pierre Charles L'Enfant. 
He was a Frenchman who came to America to fight against the British in the Revolutionary War and became George Washington's trusted confidant. Like Washington, La Enfant was a Freemason initiated into the Holland Lodge No. 8 in New York City in 1789. When we consider the vision of John of Patmos in the Bible's Book of Revelation chapter, we are told in verses 9 and 10, This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. But when he does come, he must remain for only a little while. Who would have been those five fallen kings during the life of John? Consider during his time, Caesar Augustus was still reigning. Therefore, let's explore. The very first world king, as mentioned in Genesis 10, is Nimrod, also known as the king of Shinar, king of Babylon. The world king, the next one, was mentioned in Isaiah 10, verses 12 through 9. And he's mentioned as the king of Persia, or also the king of Assyria, and his name is Sennacherib. The next king is discussed in Ezra, Esther, Nehemiah, 2 Kings, and Jeremiah. He is another Babylonian king known as Nebuchadnezzar. Then in Daniel, we learn about yet another world king who is the king of Media Persia, Darius or Cyrus. The next king in line mentioned is in Daniel 10, and this is Alexander of Grecia. Finally, we reach the time of John of Patmos, and there we find the king of Caesar Augustus. Here we can conclude. The five that have fallen are Nimrod of Babylon, Sennacherib of Persia, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, Darius Cyrus of Media Persia, and Alexander the Great of Grecia. This leaves Caesar Augustus as the one who is. So, who is the other that has not yet come? We're given an unusual description in Revelation 17, 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. But so far, we've only listed seven kings. This means, according to the Revelation, there are three more kings left, not one. Or is there? When examining Revelation 13, it is easy to see this last beast is having seven heads, but is wearing ten crowns. How can this be? And listen. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads seven earlier kings, and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, or ten kingdoms, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So in Revelation 13:2 it says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Ha ha ha! This next beast with horns has 
three of those horns acting as two parts each, but it's actually one governing body to do the bidding of Satan. All right, stay with me. I'm about to explain how the United States of America falls into this picture and how our beautiful nation was hijacked by the devil and its minions. In the latter days, this leopard will come to represent three parts. First, the mouth of the lion is a perfect representation of England. Consider the Balfour Declaration and the lion symbols of England today. The same demonic power was held by the king of Persia, Sennacherib, in Daniel's vision. Next, this leopard has the feet of a bear. Consider the symbols of Russia today. The bear is a favored symbol of Russia, including the Greek Orthodox Church. This is the same demonic power that was held by the king of Grecia, Alexander the Great. Finally, the body of this Revelation 13 beast is that of a leopard. When noting the distinct patterns of a leopard, one can't miss the golden fur with black spots and the white belly. America has always been known as the great melting pot of the world. Here we note the golden yellow fur to represent the line of Shem, the black spots to represent the line of Ham, and finally the white belly to represent the line of Japheth. The predominant religion in America has always been foremost that of the Roman Catholic Church. This certainly explains the Jesuit influence that has been displayed since its founding fathers in schools like the Georgetown University, as well as considering even our Supreme Court justices are largely Jesuit-trained officials. America, since the early political body took power, has been under the same demonic power as the King of Rome, Caesar Augustus. Then Daniel 7 tells of a little horn that comes up and plucks up these three horns, England, Russia, and America. Then, in Revelation 13, we learn there will rise a little horn that will pluck up three of the first horns by the roots. Is this why we are witnessing firsthand the deliberate destruction of our nation along with the careless regard for the life of our soldiers? Is our final destruction coming about as a result of corruption within our top brass military today? It seems the Michael Aquinos and Anton LaVey's and their set Satan temples have set the stage for their final rite of passage, the little horn. But then, in Revelation 17.11, And the beast that was, and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. Well, if you've been counting so far, I've named ten kings. One, Nimrod. Two, Pharaoh. Three, Sennacherib. Four, Nebuchadnezzar. Five, Darius Cyrus. Six, Alexander. Seven, Caesar Augustus. Eight, England. Nine, Russia. And ten, the United States. So, If the little horn plucks up the last three, England, Russia, and the U.S., this takes us back to seven kings. Now, it seems this little horn will replace the last three who was before John at Patmos. And he was one of the seven before the eighth, ninth, and tenth removed. Well, it can't be Caesar Augustus because he was reigning at the time of John of Patmos, but If there are to be seven, then an eighth 
counting the three, England, Russia, and U.S. as one, then this means we have one too many. So which one is it? According to Gene Kim, the extra one is Nebuchadnezzar. So his empire is to be discounted. Considering the statue from Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel 2, the statue had a head of gold representing Babylon, a breast and arms of silver representing Persia, his belly and thighs of brass representing Medo-Persia, legs of iron representing Rome, and feet of iron and clay, where in verse 43 he says, And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. At the time of Daniel's dream, Nebuchadnezzar was also a king of Babylon. Since a king of Babylon was already appointed at the time of this dream, most likely Nebuchadnezzar was no longer the contender of Daniel's vision, as many pastors have indicated. In the Daniel 7 vision, there are four beasts under the statue. In each case... In Daniel's their dream, there are still eight figures. One, gold Babylon. Two, silver Persia. Three, brass Medio Persia. Four, iron Rome. Five, iron clay mingled seed. Then there are the four beasts with a total of seven heads. We established earlier that England shares a crown with per- Persia. Russia shares a crown with Grecia and the United States shares a crown with Rome. Each of these world leaders played an antichrist role, but one returns as the eighth king in the last days. Through the books of Revelation and Daniel, God gives us a thorough description of the antichrist of Bible prophecy, and it is important to identify the antichrist because from it will come the sign or mark of its authority. Are we seeing this authority exercised today? Against this mark, the mark of the beast, or the mark of the authority of the Antichrist, comes one of the Bible's strongest prohibitions. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worships the beast and his image, and receive his mark on his in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb." A clue found in Daniel seven twenty four through 25 is this little horn that plucks up the three will speak great words against the Most High and will wear out the saints of the Most High. This little horn will change the times and laws and they will be given into his hand for three and a half years. Hammurabi is widely recognized to have been the dominant political power in his era, which has been dated from as early as 1848 B.C. to as late as 1736 B.C. This period coincides roughly with the lifespan of Abraham, who, according to the traditional chronology, lived from 1812 until 1637 B.C., The Bible describes numerous diplomatic activities between Abraham and the political leaders of the day. So there is at least reason to believe that a powerful ruler such as Hammurabi would have made an appearance on the biblical stage. 
Moreover, Hammurabi was famous for more than just his military exploits. He was a lawgiver as well. The Bible never mentions his name and seems to be entirely unaware of his very existence. In Genesis, we learn of a major battle that took place near the Dead Sea. The first of the kings mentioned is Amraphel, king of Shinar. Who exactly was this king? Scholars have identified this king with none other than Hammurabi. Many points have been observed in support of this. Amraphel's kingdom, Shinar, has long been identified with the Sumerian Babylonian Empire where Hammurabi held sway. Therefore, there is some degree of evidence that enables us to identify one with the other. Hammurabi is mentioned in the Bible, only he is mentioned by the name of Amraphel. It seems very unusual that the great and mighty Hammurabi should be identified with so anonymous a figure as Amraphel. According to rabbinic sages, Amraphel is none other than the famous Nimrod. And Amraphel, king of Shinar, Hammurabi, and Nimrod are one and the same. If this is true, then this places Nimrod as the one who changed times and laws via the Hammurabi Code. There is a theory that Nimrod represents the constellation of Orion. According to astronomers in in the mysterious cloud of dust and gas called Orion stars and planets may have been formed millions of years ago, Basically, it is Orion, the place in the universe, attributed to the birth of stars, but is there a possibility that ancient civilizations knew this before us? Interesting that most of (laughs) Never a Straight Answer planned events to coordinate in various fashions with Orion, Sirius, and other positions in the sky. An example of coordinated events from the Never a Straight Answer and the stars is the alleged moon landing. An icon of Sirius depicted as a five-pointed star was discovered on the walls of the temple of Isis Hathor, located in Dendera. In a recent podcast titled Wicked Games, I announced the giant that is on tour to 21 cities in the year 2021 to be constructed as a permanent site. Archaeologists claim to have found the tombs of both Osiris and the tomb of Gilgamesh, a king who was claimed to be one-third man and two-thirds god. Get this, that would be 66.6%. Six six six. Very shortly after the tomb of Gilgamesh was discovered, America invaded Iraq, where it was discovered. This was back in 2003, so we were just beginning the war on terror. So I'm wondering if this is why we left Afghanistan and went over to Iraq. So these two false gods are often linked to Nimrod, and many biblical researchers believe them to be one and the same. Is it possible that these men were influenced by the same evil spirit that influenced Nimrod? If so, with the discoveries of these tombs and with the very rapid expansion of understanding of DNA cloning technologies currently being developed, 
Is it possible that whoever may have governance over these tombs could be holding back information which is scarce and could possibly be planning something larger? What if they want control over this demonic DNA? What if they want to use it for clones or, even more sinister, injecting it onto others as a mark of his authority? What if these so-called gods did have some type of demonic power like the occult seems to have and their DNA contains something occult followers would wish to possess? A lot of what-ifs, but very sick, twisted Osiris, Sirius, Nimrod worship is very real in this world, and with the technology of today and the discoveries of yesterday, something bigger could be in the works, possibly something that will lead to the rise of the Antichrist. It is becoming clearer and clearer the Antichrist spirit that has permeated our great nation since the founders took it over have completed their mission. As this nation crumbles, We can rest in hope of knowing our Holy Father is about to rain down His glory on all the nations. We are nearing the end of tyranny that has plagued this earth since the reign of the first Nimrod Empire.